jump into the epic world of Avatar The Last Airbender with Nickelodeon's official companion podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Now you can feel like you're in the audience at the Ed Sullivan Theater with official Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise at ParamountShop.com. Shop t-shirts, mugs, accessories, and more, and Late Show Pod Show listeners can take 20% off with code TLS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show products with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. It's the Late Show Pod Show with... Stephen Colbert. Folks, my next guest is a folk music icon and a rock and roll Hall of Famer who has been a champion for social justice for over 60 years. Please welcome to The Late Show, Joan Baez. Well, well, well. What a, what a pleasure to sit down across from you and talk after all of these years. Joan Baez, I don't mean to startle you, but you're Joan Baez. <laughs> and this is the Ed Sullivan Theater. <laughs> you're Joan Baez, and this is the Ed Sullivan Theater. Am I Topo Gigio? This really... Did you ever play this theater back in the day? Hundreds of years ago, yes, I yes. did. On, on Mr. Sullivan's show? I did. But you're wow. Stephen Colbert. See? That's what, what it says inside say? the suit right there. We watch you. My friends and I watch you faithfully. Mm. And I sit there and I look at you and I think, why am I not in that chair? (laughs) I think that often, too. I think that often, too. Why isn't Joan Baez in that chair? Right, yeah, I'll bet. Well, um, one doesn't usually think of an airport as as an inspiring place. Newark? Was it Newark? I guess. Well... Um, on Sunday, you met uh, one of the two Justins in the Tennessee Three. You met Justin Jones and Gloria Johnson of the Tennessee Three. Yeah. How did that happen? Where did you guys bump into each other? You know, I, I was pouting because I was in Nashville to do book things, and I wanted to be at the Capitol. So, you know, I, can, I couldn't go, I couldn't go. And then in the airport, my editor was sitting next to me. He said, oh, I think that's, oh, my God, that's... And by the time he turned around to me, I'd already seen Justin. I was flying across the room. <laughs> just, you know, it was so exciting. It was just wonderful. Well, you and Justin sang together right there in, in the airport, mm-hmm. and this clip went viral, Jim. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around, turn me around, turn me around. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. Keep on walking, keep on talking, marching up to freedom land. Tennessee free. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. Two of you, that was the video that people saw. You guys saying, ain't no, uh, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around, and we shall overcome. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite protest song? Oh, this one that we just did, Ain't Gonna Let Nobody Turn Me Around. First yeah. of all, I have only five notes left, 
in my <laughs> repertoire. But and quality. They, and they're all in this piece. Oh, good. So, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. August, um, uh, in, uh, th this August uh, will be the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. When you famously performed We Shall Overcome There. There you are, 22 years old, <laughs> performing. <laughs> Here you are. Here you are with Bob. Same day, right? Same day. What do you... What do you remember? What do you remember about that day? Oh, um, there are some times when you know that this is going to be historic, you know, sometimes yeah. you don't know. But with 250,000 people, largest mm -hmm. crowd certainly I'd ever seen, mm -hmm. and then um, the people surrounding and around Dr. King, it was electric. And then, of course, his speech, he just took off. He put the notes down, and I just wept. You know, I spent a lot of time around Dr. King in tears because he was so moving and such an orator. You were uh, a friend of, of Dr. King's and spent a fair amount of time with him. Um, what do people not know about him? Uh, they don't know that he had a great sense of humor. And I think it's because his job was so serious. And if he made a little mistake or made a little joke, that everybody would be on him. You know, people were looking for something to pin on him, something negative. They say, ha, 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 he's a joker. I think that's why he couldn't do it publicly. But privately, he was really very funny. And um, we went one time, I was lucky enough to go pick up Dr. King at the airport with Jesse Jackson and Andy Young and um, Dr. Pink. I was thinking, oh, boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear how they plan a march. There's be a march the next day. They told jokes from the airport to... <laughs> his favorite little restaurant, and he had fried chicken and okra. And the, and the waitress said, Dr. King, would you like a little bit of that apple pie? He said, no, I don't think so. And she said, you sure you would like a little bit of the apple pie? He said, yes, I believe I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you surprised, or how does it feel to be singing We Shall Overcome in an airport 60 <laughs> years later, and it's still a fitting song to be singing with Justin Jones. What, what, what is your emotional reaction to having been there yeah. and, and now 60 years later to be singing that in an airport in Newark? Yeah, with somebody really, really young, you know, and interested in nonviolence, that's kind of blew my mind. He's already written a book on it. Um, it was just sort of amazing mm -hmm. that, that we, we connected like that. And, um, you know, it doesn't happen every day. When you were talking to the New York Times recently, you said, when I walk on stage, uh, I don't make history, I am history. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean by that? Is that just self-deprecation? What do you mean? Uh, it's, I mean, I know that when I walk out on the stage, people see this, la if they know me, they see the last 60 years. Mm. You know, that's enough to fit into a history book right there. Yeah. So I, I am history in a way, yeah. <laughs> what do you have? There are a lot of young people. A, a lot of young people uh, look back at the 60s, uh, at the protest movement of the 60s, of, of, of Woodstock, uh, the March on Washington, things like that, and they wish that they could have been part of that. Uh, what, do you, what do you say to those people about that period of time? Well, in a way, it's mythical. You know, I mean, a 16-year-old boy saying, I wish I'd been there. 18-year-old kid saying, 
I wish I'd been here. I mean, there was the war, there was the draft. He, you know, he could have been drafted and died or have to kill somebody, et cetera. But they didn't see that Woodstock man, you know, and civil rights man. And then there was one kid who intelligently said to me, you know, we had everything back then. You guys had the music and the politics and the civil rights, and you had the glue. And right now we don't have that glue that makes us feel as though we can do this together. And I'm thinking, you know, possibly that these Tennessee three can literally start something that'll grow, you know, that'll grow for real. And that means... And I truly believe, truly believe that you can't make real social change without somebody taking a risk. And maybe that's what's missing, but these guys have already taken a risk and they paid for it, and now, but they're just steady on. And, um, you know, you never know if that's going to be the opening. In some ways, when people say, oh, I wish I'd had that opportunity, mm-hmm. I, uh, I think you always have that opportunity. There you go. But you have to make that opportunity. That's you have to actually create that thing for yourself. And, and you're right, you. that requires risk to yeah. do that. Um, uh, you've got a new book <laughs> that's called Am I Pretty When I Fly? There you go. <laughs> And it's, a, it's an album of upside-down drawings. That's correct. Do, what do you mean? Do you hang upside-down when you do them? I was just going to say, them? you would be the person to guess that. Yeah. I, literally, that's what I thought. Do you, I know. People yes. think that. No, I was not standing on my head and drawing. It's drawing so that if, if you are seeing okay. it properly, I'm seeing it upside-down. Would you oh, do boy. one for me? Sure. I, I, will show some, I will show some of these drawings while, while, while you do this. Okay. Um... Why did you start drawing upside down? I think as I was bored with school. <laughs> oh, so you've been doing this since you were young. Well, for a while, I just wrote backwards. <laughs> you, what, you wrote backwards for fun? Uh, I, I think so. I think, I mean, I think I found my little ways to keep, you know, keep myself in comfort. Yeah. And school didn't do it for me. Yeah. So while the teachers teaching all the stuff that bored me, I was starting doing stuff. No drawing. Drawing with my left hand, writing backwards, all this stuff. And then I graduated to upside down drawings. Wow. So So here's like examples of, here's some examples of some of the drawings. And my understanding is that you actually do the drawings, then turn it right side up, look at it, and decide what the caption or the dialogue is going to be. And and I usually turn turn around, have a little peek to see if it's going, see what it is going to be like. But I don't really know. Yeah. Until I'm kind of done like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, also, uh, there's also a documentary coming out about your life called Joan Baez, I Am a Noise. <laughs> what, what, when you, did you learn anything from your own documentary about I you? I did, I did. I learned a lot. What did you learn about you, Joan Baez? Well, first of all, that's a quote from when I was 13, and I didn't remember that. I am a noise, and I already knew it back then. Wow. You know, and I just carried on. Oopsie. Let All me right. see what Shall we're we show doing. the people? <laughs> or do you want to caption it? What it's is... not very nice. Okay. That's all right. There's Actually, a, you know what? You caption it. I caption yep. it? All right. Here, here, here it is. Let's take a look at it real quick. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I know what you're thinking, but do something else. I. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought 
this bathroom <laughs> was empty. That's it. Perfect. Thank you, Joan. Thank you. Am I Pretty When I Fly is available now. And that's Joan Baez, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. CBS Sunday, after The Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.